0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible tells us the story of the battle of Jehoshaphat with the three kings of Moab, Ammon and Mount Seir. The Bible tells us that the army that gathered against Jehoshaphat was so great that Jehoshaphat was afraid. And Jehoshaphat knew that there was no way he could fight and defeat them. He knew that there was no way he could win against the armies that have arrayed against him. And so in verse number 2 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible said, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together and ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. In other words, Jehoshaphat, seeing that the enemy has arrayed themselves, that he was outnumbered by the armies of the enemy that were gathered against him, Jehoshaphat invited the Almighty God into his situation. The Bible tells us in verse number 3 and 4 that Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast when he saw that the situation was very difficult. The Bible said that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. In verse number 6 to 8, the Bible tells us, Jehoshaphat recalled the goodness of the Almighty God. After the people have gathered, he began to recall the goodness of God. He began to recall the faithfulness of the Almighty God. He began to recall the past blessings of God upon the people of God. Jehoshaphat did not stop there. By the time you get to verse 9 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat reminded the Almighty God of the promises that he has made to his people. While he was praying, he said, Lord, if disaster come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save us. In other words, this is what you have promised. When Solomon was dedicating the temple, that was the promise that you made. That was what happened at that particular time. And now Jehoshaphat is reminding the Almighty God, say, this is what you said when this particular temple was being dedicated. After Jehoshaphat called upon the name of the Lord, and reminded the Almighty God of His promises to his people. In verse number 10 and 11, the Bible tells us, Now Jehoshaphat now started to report his enemies to the Almighty God. He now began to say, Now here are the people of Ammon, here are the people of Moab, the people of Manasseh, whom you will not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. In other words, these are the people you told us not to touch. These are the people you asked us not to deal with. These are the people you said we should spare and not go after them when we were trying to possess the land. In other words, Jehoshaphat was reporting the enemy to the Almighty God. He was saying, look, these are the people you said we should live alone. Now look at the way they are repaying us. Look at what they have done after we have shown mercy. After we have left them alone. After we have not destroyed and wiped them off the face of the land of promise. This is how they responded to us. And so in verse number 12. He now asks that the Lord Almighty will begin to judge his enemy. He's saying, Lord, intervene. Look at how we said in verse number 12. He said, Oh our God, will you not judge them? In other words, they've enjoyed mercy, but this is how they paid us back. They've enjoyed the blessings of heaven. This is how they pay us back. Will you not judge them? Will you not intervene? For we have no power against this great multitude. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In other words, these guys are many. Because we did not deal with them when we had the power. Because we did not overrun them when they were still small. Now they have grown. Now they have multiplied. Oh Lord, aren't you going to fight for us? Aren't you going to come into the midst of this particular battle? Aren't you going to rescue us from the hand of these people who have now multiplied? So Jehoshaphat was basically saying, Lord, I'm inviting you into this battle. I'm bringing you into this battle. I'm asking you to basically take over this particular battle and fight for us. Now, if you continue to read 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you will begin to notice that Jehoshaphat did not bother to ask the Lord how the Lord was supposed to fight for him. He didn't ask the Lord. He just said, Lord, intervene for us. In other words, I'm leaving it on to you to do it the way you want to do it. I'm leaving it on to you to deal with the enemy the way you know how best to deal with the enemy. Josephus did not bother to ask the Lord how he's going to fight for him. He did not presume to know how the Lord will do it. All he knew was that the Lord made a promise. That when you call, I will answer. That when you stand in front of this temple and you call upon me, I will rescue you from whatever is going on. Jehovah knew the promise of God. He knew that God was faithful. And he knew that if he presented the situation to the Almighty God, the Lord will hear. That was all Jehoshaphat knew. And the Bible tells us in verse number 17. After Jehoshaphat had prayed, after Jehoshaphat had spoken to the Almighty God, in verse number 17, the Bible now says, The Lord now spoke unto Jehoshaphat. He said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. You will still notice the Lord did not say how he was going to do it. The Lord still did not give them the strategy to follow. He just said, you don't need to fight in this battle, but go out. I will fight the battle for you. Go out. I will give you the victory. But he never told them what to do. He never gave them instruction on how to follow. He never told them the things that they are going to do. Without knowing what the Lord was going to do. And how the Lord was going to fight the battle. The Bible says Jehoshaphat stepped out. He just stepped out in faith. Believing that the Lord Almighty will fight for them. And beginning from verse number 20. The Bible now says. So they rose early in the morning. And went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who will praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were singing, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Interesting strategies. Notice that the Lord Almighty did not tell him what to do. He had no idea how God was going to fight for him. He just knew that he received a promise from the Almighty God. And that promise was that you go out there, you don't need to fight, I will fight for you. That's all Jehoshaphat got. Imagine an army going into battle and asking musicians to be the ones in front. Can you imagine? The Bible says Jehoshaphat appointed singers and started praising the Lord as he headed into the battle. I want you to notice that the threat of the three kings were still there. The threat of those three confederate kings were still there. There's The threat of him being defeated is still very viable. These people have not disappeared. The fact that God spoke to Jehoshaphat does not mean that the three kings' hands have been cut off. No. His threat was still viable. Number two, notice that the armies were still arrayed against him. Those three kings were still going to fight. They were still determined to destroy Judah. They were still determined to bring danger and destruction upon Jerusalem. That was still their intention. So that battle was still there. The danger was still there. It has not been averted. You will please understand that the fact that Jehoshaphat prayed does not mean that the number of his army was increased. No. They were still the same number of people. They were still smaller than the three armies that came against him. Physically speaking, victory for Jehoshaphat was still impossible physically. And yet, the man appointed singers and decided to go into battle singing praises unto the Almighty God. This guy, they still decided to continue to praise the Almighty God, knowing that the odds were against him. And in verse number 12, the Bible now tells us something interesting. The Bible says that when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were all defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to the place, So all this was happening when Judah was still singing, I'm coming. They have not even gotten to the battle yet. He said, but when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude and all their dead bodies on the earth. No one had escaped. In other words, through praise, not knowing what God was going to do. Jehoshaphat won a battle because the Lord told him, you don't need to fight in this battle. But the fact that you wouldn't need to fight in this battle does not mean you sit down at home. God still expected him to show up at the war front. God still expected him to go there and to prepare for that particular battle. Yes, you are preparing, but you are not going to fight. So through praise, God stepped into the battle for Jehoshaphat. Through praise, God took over the battle, defeated the army, and delivered his people. God executed judgment and vengeance upon the armies of the three confederate kings and defeated the enemies of Judah simply because the people of God took the time to praise him as they were going into battle. And the question is this, why would an individual, knowing he's facing an imminent defeat, an imminent destruction, why would he be marching into that battle singing, smiling and praising God? Why would Jehoshaphat go into battle that he had no chance of winning? Why would he go into it? Praising the Almighty God. Why will he do that? There are two possibilities. It's either the man is completely stupid. Or he knows something that most people don't know. You do not go into battle singing. Except of course you are a complete idiot. Or you know something that most people don't know. Let me suggest to you that Jehoshaphat went into battle. Praising the Almighty God because Jehoshaphat understood the power of praise. He understood that there was something about praise that brings victory. The Bible says that when they began to sing praise to the Lord, the Lord set ambushment against three confederate armies. So Jehoshaphat knew something about praise. That was why he went into battle praising God. But most importantly, Jehoshaphat understood and went into battle Praising God. Because he knew that when you praise the almighty God, the presence of the almighty God shows up. When you praise the almighty God, his presence shows up. The Bible says when they began to praise, the Lord began to set ambushment against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir." In other words, the Lord stepped into that battle. The praise of the people of God brought his presence into their battle. And because Jehoshaphat knew the attribute of praise... The man decided to enter into his battle with one of the most powerful, potent weapons. The weapon of praise. Because he knew that there was no way the weapon of praise would fail him. He must have heard the story of Jericho. How Jericho was defeated because the people of God just shouted praise unto the Lord. He must have seen the very testimonies of the path of how the people of God won victory by singing praises unto the Almighty God. So he knew the power of praise. That was why he appointed praise and stepped into battle. And my brothers and sisters, if you and I will employ the same strategy, the victory that we trust the Almighty God will be ours in the name of Jesus. Executing divine vengeance through the power of praise. Executing divine vengeance through the power of praise. What is the meaning of praise and how is the instrument of praise used for executing divine judgment? What is this praise? Revelation chapter 4 reading from verse number 11, the Bible tells us, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou art created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. From this verse of the scripture, Bible tells us that praise means adoration, honor, and reverence to the Almighty God. That's what praise basically is to adore, to honor, and to reverence the Almighty God. Number two, praise is to approve and to esteem. In other words, which is to express a favorable opinion or to esteem somebody in a very high level. That's what praise is all about. And Psalm 59 verse number 16 tells us that I will sing praise of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense. So praise is approving and esteeming the power of the Almighty God. Number three, praise is to appreciate God for who He is. When you say God I thank you You are thanking him for what he has done When you are praising God You are praising God for who he is Two different things So please understand, there's a difference between thanksgiving and praise. Praise is to appreciate God for who He is, which means that you bestow honor upon Him. You praise His holy name. You adore His attribute. And that's why you say you praise Him for His mercy, for His goodness, for His faithfulness, for all that He is, because He is God. That's what praise is all about. You appreciate God for who He is. Isaiah 25 verse 1 tells us Oh Lord you are my God I will exalt you I will praise your name for you have done Wonderful things your counsel or All are faithfulness and truth So praise is Appreciating God for who he is And the question is why Do you praise God God already knows he is God He already sits on the high places He already knows He's omniscient he knows He's omnipotent he knows he has all The power why do you have to praise him Why do you need to praise him Bible tells us that we praise the almighty God because we were created to praise. Look at the book of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 21. He said, "These people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise." Which means you were created to praise. That is the purpose of your existence. And the Bible tells us, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, we shall show forth the praise of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are created to praise. We are created for praise. That is our purpose in life. Number two, we praise God because praise is pleasing to the almighty God. Praise is pleasing to the Almighty God. Psalm 69, if you read from verse number 30, the Bible says, I will praise the name of the Lord with the strong and will magnify him with thanksgiving. These also shall please the Lord better than oxen bulls. God is pleased with the praise of his people. Number three, we praise God. Praise God because praise acknowledges God and his sovereignty over all. When you praise the name of the Lord, you are saying, God, you are the sovereign Lord. You are the one that sits and rule over the whole creation. Our praise is an acknowledgement of the sovereignty of the almighty God. Why do you praise him? You praise him because our praise provoked divine release from the almighty God. Look at verse number 67. He said, let the people praise thee. Oh God, let the people praise thee. Then, Look at the next word, that verse number 6. He said, let the people praise thee." Let the people praise Him. He said, then, that means after you have praised Him, the earth will yield, her increase. And God, even our God, shall bless us. Look at the order in which those things come. You praise the Lord God Almighty, the earth now begins to yield, and then God begins to bless. But many of us want the blessings before we praise. And the Lord is saying, you are getting it upside down. So we praise the Almighty God to provoke divine release. The release of His presence. The release of favor. The release of divine revelation. And I've said here before and I'll say it again. The easiest way you can begin to receive from the Almighty God. The easiest way you can begin to get an idea of what God plans to do for you is to enter His presence with praise. And that's why anytime we pray here, you find we spend almost 50% of the time just praising the Almighty God. Because when you do that, the heavens open. When you do that, you create an atmosphere whereby God is able to minister. The easiest way you can have access to revelation is when you praise the name of the Almighty God. Most importantly, we praise the Almighty God because our praise triggers His divine action. Triggers divine vengeance. When you praise the Almighty God and you begin to sing His name, the Bible tells us in that second Chronicles chapter 20, He said, when they began to praise, the Lord now set ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Seir. Our praise triggers divine vengeance because the Lord will never allow the people that are truly committed to him, he will never allow them to suffer in the hands of the enemy. The question then is, how do you engage the power of praise to provoke divine vengeance? Before you can answer that question, you must understand the relationship between two things. The first thing is that the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God. What is the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God? Psalm 22, reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us that, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praise of Israel. In other words, the relationship between our praise and the presence of the Almighty God is because our praise attracts the presence of the Almighty God and brings down the glory of the Almighty God into our situation. As soon as you begin to praise Him. I don't know whether you have prayed to that level here, but there are times you pray to a certain level where you feel an elevation. You feel a divine presence when you worship God. That is what praise does. It brings down the presence of the Almighty God because it attracts the blessings of God. It's like God is sitting in the heaven. And as you praise the name of the Lord, there is a sweet smell of aroma that comes in. It gets the attention of the Almighty God. And God says, who is there? And then he sees you praising. He now brings his presence. When you are praying and you are asking for petition, you are standing in line and begging and saying, God, look at my situation. But when you begin to pray, you attract the Almighty God and God says, let me go and see what is happening there. Two different things. So you must understand the praise and the presence of the Almighty God, they are related because praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God and brings down His presence. Number two, the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God is that our praise replicates the atmosphere of heaven. And create the right environment for God to be able to operate. The atmosphere of heaven is the atmosphere of praise. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4 verse 10. It says for the 24 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne. And worshipped him that lived forever and ever. And cast their crowns before their throne. Saying holy, 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 holy. In other words the Lord God Almighty inhabit an atmosphere of praise. So when you begin to praise the Lord. You are replicating the atmosphere that is in heaven. You are replicating it there. And when there is praise, the presence of the Almighty God will be there. That is the relationship between when you are praising God and the presence of the Almighty God. But the most important thing is that the relationship between praise and His presence is that God dwells in an environment of praise. God dwells in praise. Everything around him is all about praise and glory of the Almighty God. That's why Psalm 22 verse 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praise of Israel. So you will see, the relationship between praise and the presence of God is that God lives in an atmosphere of praise. Why does praise attract God's attention and provoke divine vengeance? The reason is because praise reveals heart adoration. The things that you consider to be important in your heart. the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart what the mouth speaks when you adore the almighty God in your heart your mouth will naturally produce praise unto him praise attracts God's attention and provoke divine vengeance because it reveals your heart desire The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 27, He said, One thing I desire of the Lord, that I will seek after him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty and inquire in his temple. That was the desire of the psalmist. His desire was to be in the presence of the Almighty God. So when you are praising God, you are desiring his presence and his hand. And that moves the hand of God. Praise attracts the attention of God because it reveals what your heart values. The things that you consider important in your heart. It reveals it by the things that you say. And that's why you can tell. A person can be in church and say they are praising God. But in their mind, they are always talking about what God has not done. They are talking about the things that has not happened. They are talking about the prayer requests that have not been answered. They are talking about the complaint. And all the other things that are happening except, of course, looking at the presence of the Almighty God, they are looking somewhere else. So our praise attracts the presence of the Almighty God because it tells what our heart values. Not only that our praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God and provoke divine vengeance, because praise reveals that our heart recognizes and appreciates the source of our sustainers. When you see God as your source, when you see God as your sustainer, what do you do? You naturally give Him praise. You naturally thank Him. You will notice anytime we pray, we say it's not because we are good. It's not because we know how to pray. It is the mercy of the Almighty God. Because we know it is not by power, it is not by our mind. It is by the mercy of God. So our praise reveals that our heart recognizes and appreciates God as our source and our sustainers. Finally, praise attracts God's attention and provoke divine vengeance. Because praise reveals that our heart recognizes and truly appreciates the Almighty God what you are appreciative of, what you thank God for, what you are grateful for, you will naturally praise. But when you do not appreciate it, when you think you are entitled, why should I praise you when that is what you are supposed to be doing? That is why praise attracts the presence of the Almighty God. Because our praise tells God that we recognize it. Our praise tells God that we appreciate Him. It tells Him that we adore Him. It tells Him that we value Him. It tells Him that we desire His presence in our lives. And so one thing you must understand is that praise is what connects you to the Almighty God. Just like faith moves the hand of God, praise draws the presence of the Almighty God into your life. But why do you need the presence of God? That's the question. My brothers and sisters, you need the presence of the Almighty God because when God steps into any situation, that particular situation comes to an end. Whatever enemy is standing, when the presence of the Almighty God comes in, that enemy is naturally bound to flee. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And if you start reading Psalm 114, he said, what a lady. He said, the sea saw them and they flee. The mountains saw him and they skip. He said, what a lady. He said, why are you skipping? He said, because of the presence of the Almighty God. As soon as the Almighty God shows up, the sea saw the Lord and parted. As soon as the presence of the Almighty God showed up at Jordan, Jordan stood still and parted for the children of Israel. As soon as the mountains saw the Lord Almighty God, they began to gush out water. When you need the presence of the Almighty God, because the enemy flees, when the presence of the Almighty God shows up, when God shows up, battles come to an end. When God shows up, rest is assured. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So please understand, all the spiritual exercise we are doing right now, all the activity that we're doing right now, they are intended for only one thing the presence of the Almighty God. That's all that we're doing. When you pray, when you fast, when you sing, all that you are doing, the end result is only one thing. The primary goal of all our spiritual exercise is to bring down the presence of God into your situation. That's all you're doing. Look at the people in this scripture. The Bible talks about Joseph. He said, God was with him and he found favor. Look at David. God was with him. Saul could not challenge him. Presence of the Lord makes the difference in the life of an individual. So you will see what all of us were looking for is the presence of the Almighty God. And the easiest way to attract the presence of God is to praise That's all. Yes, there is holiness, there's righteousness, there's purity, there's prayer. But the easiest way you can bring the presence of the Almighty God down is when you praise the Almighty God and when you truly praise the name of the Almighty God when you truly sing His praise and worship Him with the whole of your heart, you end up insuring yourself against the enemy's assault. When you praise the name of the Almighty God, you secure divine intervention. When you truly praise the name of the Almighty God, you assure victory over the enemy. When you truly praise the name of the Almighty God, you are released from captivity. Just like Paul and Silas were released from captivity. When you truly praise the name of the Almighty God, there is what is called supernatural lifting. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 18 tells us, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like a deer's feet. He will make me to walk on my high heels. In other words, there is a supernatural lifting, a supernatural elevation when you praise the Almighty God. Now, he comes to the very interesting part. If praise attracts the presence of God, and the presence of God attracts, triggers, deliverance, triggers, protection, promotion, and all around change of level. Why will you not praise God? My brothers and sisters, most people cannot praise God because, number one, they have a limited knowledge of the Almighty God. What you don't know, you cannot appreciate. It's just why you can always trick a child out of a $100 bill. They can always do that because they don't know the value. They have no knowledge of what a $100 bill looks like. So you give them a the paper and candy and they exchange it for it. So we cannot praise God when we have a limited knowledge of the Almighty God. That's why you read the scripture. Number two, you cannot praise God when you have not experienced the touch of the Almighty God. If you are in a tough spot and God has rescued you and God has delivered you, you'll find it very easy to praise Him. But if your focus is on lack, if your focus is on your want, if your focus is on the things that have not been done or the things that are still lacking, it will be very difficult for you to praise the name of the Almighty God. If all you are seeing is the hand of the devil and how the devil has cheated you, you will find that praise becomes very difficult. Praise is difficult when you do not focus on the Almighty God. If your attention is here today and there tomorrow, all of a sudden you are looking at what my sister is doing or you are looking at what my brother is doing. If your attention is always focused on what is happening in the life of other people, instead of what God is doing in your own life, you will never be able to praise Him. You will not be able to praise Him if you cannot acknowledge that every good thing comes from the Father. You won't be able to praise Him if you cannot even acknowledge that He is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And finally, praise is going to be very difficult for us if we cannot appreciate the move of God in our life. If there is no acknowledgement and no appreciation, you cannot praise him. We find it very difficult to praise God when you have a murmuring and a complaining spirit. When you are somebody who is a very sorrowful person. When you are somebody who has hopelessness. You have no hope of tomorrow. When your mind goes after other gods and you value other things more than the things of God. When you take offense and you refuse to let go. An unforgiving prideful person can never praise God.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today.